1: Welcome to another edition of the Agents of Inclusion podcast. It's brought to you by Special Olympics and Odyssey. I'm JR of the JR Sport Brief Show on CBS Sports Radio. We're all about inspiring and encouraging everyone to open up and be more inclusive. It's all about action. We have a new episode drop every Wednesday. And if you haven't followed or subscribed, don't wait. Go ahead and do it now. For this episode, we're speaking with RJ Nealon. He's a graduate of the University of Alabama. He's an athlete reporter who has even published stories for ESPN. He's an advocate for others, and will definitely talk about his studies in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yes, you heard that correctly. Don't pick a fight with RJ. He's been involved with Special Olympics for nearly two decades. Let's check in with RJ (laughs) Nealon. It's another edition of the Agents of Inclusion podcast, and today we're having a conversation with the communications specialist for Special Olympics North America. He's done just about everything in the organization. Coming out as a graduate from Alabama, roll Todd, I'm sure we're gonna hear that. And, and a blue belt in jujitsu. There's a lot that we have to get into. Internship at ESPN. It's my main man, RJ Neal. And RJ, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are
1: you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Well, I guess the the first question is, after two decades of of participating in and with Special Olympics, how did you initially get involved? What was that first exposure?
0: Yeah, so the first exposure that I had, I had written a letter to Special Olympics International uh, back when I was in elementary school about wanting to get involved and compete. Um, I had never competed or been around other people with intellectual disabilities. And so I wanted to write a letter. I did so. And my first sport was uh, basketball.
1: Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what was that response? You you sent that letter and and what led you to basketball? So I, I assume someone reached out to you and said, hey, come on in and play here in Maryland, right?
0: Yeah. So I honestly forget who responded, but I they did respond and uh, told me to reach out to the state program and that's here in Maryland. So I did, and it just I got lucky enough that basketball season was just starting up, so I didn't have to wait too long to get involved. I got involved right away and fell in love with it.
1: Well, I want to talk to to you about your work and everything that you do now in communications for Special Olympics, But, but let's stay back from when you first started. When you played basketball and you started off, what was that experience like for you? What did you gain from participating?
0: I gained so much, not from like, I gained a lot from the sports perspective, but also from everyday life. It was my first exposure to people with intellectual disabilities. So they had a lot to offer me. They had a lot of knowledge and tips to help modify things in my everyday life, um, how to ignore bullying, um, how to be inclusive. And it just like I learned, I've learned more about life, being involved with Special Olympics and actually being an athlete. And that's the that's the powerful thing about it.
1: Well, we we look at sports. I always say it's a, a great unifier, and then you just gave a, a perfect example uh, right there. You can utilize sports for to, for people to learn how to be more inclusive. What other sports did you participate in outside of basketball?
0: So I've done a lot of sports with Special Olympics. I've done basketball, football, swimming, tennis, cycling, and kayaking. Kayaking. Yes. That's big time, yes, man. I that's did that for one season.
1: Okay. So, amongst all of the sports that you've participated in, is basketball your favorite?
0: Uh no. No. Uh my favorite is definitely football. Um, growing up, I was a big football fan. I uh, loved football, everything about it. So, I'd say football. My best sport though was swimming. Uh that's the one I had the most success in, uh, from an athletic perspective.
1: We're gonna talk about well, congratulations on the swimming side. Maybe you could teach me a few things so I don't go out there and and, and sink. And I, we're definitely gonna talk some football. I know you're you're a huge Alabama fan. You know, coming out of the University of Alabama, but let's let's fast forward just a little bit. You you participate in all these sports. It's ironic that you got involved in Special Olympics by communicating, by first writing them a letter. And now you work with them in communications for Special Olympics North
0: America. What do you currently do? I am a communications specialist uh, for Special Olympics North America. So I do everything communication related. And then I am also an athlete reporter. So I write stories um I get on Zooms with athletes, interview them, interview coaches, all that good stuff.
1: That's awesome. So how what was that transition like? Is this what you you always knew that you wanted to do working in the communications field? Like explain to me how you went from Special Olympics as as an athlete to working in the communications department. Where did you go to school? What did you want to do?
0: Yeah, so uh one name comes to mind and that's Stuart Scott. Uh, growing up watching Stuart Scott on Sports Center, I fell in love with his attitude and his personality. And I was like, that is what I want to do. Um, when I was in high school, it, it came to the realization that I was not gonna play in the NFL. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm five foot 11, 140 pounds. It's just not gonna happen. And so I shifted my focus to becoming a sports journalist. I wanted to be involved with the game I loved and share stories, be around the athletes and the coaches. So that's what drew me to the University of Alabama. I mean, my sister went to Alabama, but at the end of the day, it was like, why not go to the best school with the best athletic department to become a sports journalist?
1: Wow. So, St- St- Stuart Scott, we all know the phrase, I'll never forget it, cooler than the other side of the pillow. And so you, you've gotten into sports broadcasting and communications. What was it like for you being in Alabama, being
0: at the University of Alabama? What was that like? Man, it was a dream come true. Um, getting to work with the athletic department and being around such elite athletes taught me so much about being an athlete myself and, and also pursuing things in my everyday life. Um, the, the biggest lesson I learned is like, if you want something, you got to go for it. Hard work is going to get you there. No, There's no free handouts and everything. So like the biggest thing I learned during my time in Tuscaloosa was like the work ethic part of it. I mean, I grinded. Um, writing for multiple publications, working for the local TV station and the athletic department to get to where I am today.
1: Is there an experience or one particular moment that stands out to you while you were in college?
0: Yes, uh, I got to be the sideline reporter for the adaptive basketball team. Um, They have a wheelchair basketball team at the University of Alabama, and I got to travel with them. I was basically an insider, um, and so I got to travel with them to the National Championship Tournament. And that experience just, like, opened up my eyes. Like, it was the first moment that I was like, I can do this for a living. Like, this is, this could be my job. What do you feel
1: is a a misconception about a reporter? See, I'm a sports broadcaster. I don't necessarily try to even get involved in reporting of news unless I absolutely have to do it. But there are tons of people all over the country who are on the ground and who are finding out the stories and, and sharing that information with everyone. What did you learn from that experience by kind of being right there on the ground on the scene?
0: I learned to really get to know people. Like, People don't want you to just ask questions to them like you're talking at them. They really want to get to know you and talk with them, have a conversation with them like you and I are having right now. Because I've learned when you have a conversation-based interview, you're going to get nuggets for the story that wouldn't have happened if you just stuck to the script and like ask the generic questions. So really getting to know the person um, outside of sports, um, getting to know about their everyday life, getting to know about their family and friends and what they like to do when they're not training or competing.
1: Do you feel these lessons have, have helped you in your own personal life? Like after you've learned these things, have you looked on at your own personal experience and gone, hey, this is this is something I want to apply to my life as well?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. A lot of the um, interviews I've had, I've always taken a piece of each one and incorporated it into my everyday life, um, whether that's in sports or not. When you think
1: about some of your other experiences interning at, at ESPN for almost the better part of, of a year, tell us about that. How did that go down?
0: What did you do there? So I worked with the X Games team. Um, it was a new experience for me growing up. I mean, I, I rode skateboards. I rode motocross every now and then. But growing up, my my thing was college football. So getting to work with the X Games and that ex- whole experience was eye-opening. Um, but it really to- it really took me in another direction of wanting to be a storyteller instead of just strictly a college football writer, um, you know, the, the long form human interest stories um, and sharing the athlete's story, but not directly focusing just strictly on the sport, but their everyday life. Um, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever Uh, had the opportunity to take part. in. I always tell people it was summer camp for adults. And (laughs) like, I mean, I could talk to you for hours about my time in Bristol.
1: Well, how did that opportunity with ESPN to even intern there come about? How did that land in your
0: lap? So one of the senior vice presidents at ESPN came to Alabama for a speaking engagement. And I was the student that whenever a speaker was on campus, didn't matter if it was sports or whatnot, I signed up. Because you never know what you could learn from those speaking engagements or who you'd meet. And so after he was done speaking, I went up to him and told him, I I was a Special Olympic athlete. Um, My dream job is to work at ESPN one day. And he was like, oh, Special Olympics. That's one of my favorite events to work. And we just formed a relationship and he became one of my mentors and uh, took me three times to apply um, to get the internship. I applied sophomore, junior, and I finally got it my senior year. Um, But without his guidance, I probably would have never even attempted to apply.
1: I appreciate that story, and I appreciate the fact that you always you're thinking ahead like you're not reacting to things that are going on. You're proactive. You got involved with Special Olympics because you initially wrote that letter. You got involved with ESPN because you decided to attend the speaking engagement and then spoke to someone who is now your mentor. What advice would you give to anyone about stepping outside the box or doing things that you know may not be comfortable?
0: Be curious, be curious and be willing to step outside your comfort zone, because if we all just stay in our comfort zones, how high is our ceiling in whatever it is we do? Um, So be curious, ask questions, be comfortable with being uncomfortable.
1: How have these experiences, whether it be at at ESPN, whether it be with Special Olympics as an athlete, how does it best serve you today in, in your own life, especially when it comes to your current role with Special Olympics?
0: It has taught me that my voice is very powerful and there are other athletes out there that have very powerful voices. And through all the experiences that I've gone through, I am very glad and fortunate I am in the position I am in to help other athletes find that voice and help them share their voice like I am doing. And without the experiences of journalism um, and communications, I probably would have never had the confidence to even put myself out there to be that advocate.
1: Well, the, the advocacy work you do is, is admirable. You do communicate with, with plenty of Special Olympics athletes, helping them to tell their stories and, and, and really utilize their voice. What are some, some, some key points or some general points
0: that you do share with the athletes that you work with? So I, I think the biggest thing for me when I work with athletes is I can connect with them in a way that nobody else can. Uh, Regardless of disability, we are both Special Olympic athletes. We have both had to overcome obstacles and barriers put in front of us. Um, It's something that it is what it is, but we help each other and, and, and push each other to be their best. And I think when the athletes realize that I'm an athlete and we can connect with each other, they're more open to sharing their story and asking me questions as well.
1: You talk about barriers and obstacles. You certainly already accomplished a, a whole lot in your life, and I think it's a cool thing that you're, you're passing it on to help other people out. What have been some of those barriers and, and obstacles along the way? Because not everybody's story is all, you know, roses and daisies. What have some of those obstacles been?
0: Yeah, for me, um, math and science in school, education was very hard for me. Um, It did not take me the four years to graduate college. I I spent some time at a community college before I transferred to Alabama. Um, But without the Office of Disability Services, I would have never been able to walk across the stage. Um, Driving, um, I drive with a hand control and a left foot pedal but it took me 10 years to fight the state of Maryland to allow me to drive. Um, And that became a lot of other barriers with the driving. I would apply for jobs. And when they found out I didn't have a license, I couldn't be hired. Um, So it's just barriers like that, that a lot of me and my fellow athletes can relate to, um, that we help each other get by.
1: And what's what's inspired you to to do all these things and not take no for an answer? You're going for the internship. You took you three tries. You talk about your license. You had to go and fight for that. What has inspired you to do all these things throughout your life?
0: You know, my grandfather would always tell me uh, a quote all the time. Tell me I can't and I will. And I was told I can't do things a lot as a kid. Um, And that really forced me to be mentally tough, and and I still live by that quote today in everything I do. Um, I don't do it for other people. I, I do this because I love it, and I, I love being that voice, um, and I just love talking sports. I mean, that's what it is at the end of the day. I just love talking sports, and getting to do it for a job is so rewarding. Um, Well, let's talk some sports, man. Who, who are your favorite teams? I mean, of course, Alabama, um, everything at the collegiate level. And then uh, I'm a big Dallas Cowboy fan.
1: OK, so I got I got a couple of questions on that. I guess the first one is when you look at Alabama and, and their quarterback situation, you look at the past two years not walking away with the championship where's Alabama right now? Are they kind of lowered back down to reality or what is your thought process there?
0: I think college football is catching up. That that's what I think it is. Um, At the end of the day, Alabama has Nick Saban. They're still getting the top recruiting classes year in and year out. But as you look at the landscape of college football, and especially now with the NIL deals, other teams are catching up. USC is catching up. I mean, Georgia is—you know—Georgia. I mean, what they're doing is incredible. Um, so I don't—I don't think it's Alabama's taking a step down. I just think other teams are catching up, and Nick Saban—it's going to take him some time to evolve and figure out what kind of team he wants to run especially with the quarterback situation yeah not not
1: the easiest of things when when uh, bryce walks out the door now you have to figure out who the next guy is going to be you said you're also a dallas cowboys fan i don't know about them taking a step forward or back it seems like they're always kind of running in place on that treadmill what do you expect from the cowboys it seems like the same thing every year They're good. They're average. They look exciting. They end up average. What are your thoughts on them to actually get over the hump and be competitive in the NFC? So
0: I have an opinion that I've had for a while that a lot of people agree with, but a lot of people also disagree with. As long as Dak Prescott is a quarterback, they will not win a Super Bowl. They will not win a Super Bowl. I love Dak. I was a big fan of his when he was at Mississippi state, I I still remember that game when they almost got Alabama um, that season when they came in and then Alabama, you know, did what Alabama does, but that, that season really made me fall in love with Dak. Um, And I've loved him through his time with the Cowboys, but I just don't see him as a quarterback that can win a super bowl. Um, And then obviously coaching and whatnot, there's a lot of, questions there too
1: i, I thought when you initially said you had a strong opinion that people feel uh well i guess one way or the other about i thought you were going to mention jerry jones the owner the general
0: manager the president. <laughs> that too um as long as he's there i, I don't think they can win a super bowl Ouch. um like i i i've loved the dallas cowboys since i was a little kid they were the first team i went to watch live in person um and fell in love with them and but as long as Jerry's there and Dak I don't think they can win a super bowl ouch we
1: know we know Jerry is not going anywhere uh we don't know how long but it's not going to be by choice we know that much exactly exactly we'll see what happens so when you're not watching Alabama football. When you're not watching the Dallas Cowboys later on in the fall into the winter, what are some of your other hobbies? I know, man you you got a blue belt in jujitsu.
0: Yes, I uh, I train and compete in Brazilian jujitsu. So I do that uh, six days a week, twice a day, um, once at 5:30 in the morning, and then 7 p.m. at night. Um, and I travel the country. And soon to be the world competing in that. What drew you to jujitsu? So when I was in high school, I uh, I've always been a big fight fan. UFC, Bellator, it doesn't boxing, it doesn't matter. I I love combat sports, but I figured because I have a disability, it might be smart to have some self defense. Um, So I can be able to defend myself. So I started Muay Thai and kickboxing and then started Jiu Jitsu. And I told myself I'm going to compete once at every belt level just to show my coaches that I can win and compete against somebody with the equal skill set as I am. Well, I competed once and fell in love with it. And now this year alone. I've competed seven times already this calendar year. That's amazing, man. You know, I'm, I'm a big fight
1: fan, uh, know a lot of MMA fighters, etc. I do not even get on the mat. Uh, Mighty Mouse once threw me around on the mat and I said, uh, no, thank you. This isn't for me. What's the goal for you when it comes down to jujitsu? Are you trying to just collect all of the belts? Are you trying to raise the ranks?
0: What, what is this? Where does this take you, I should say? So the ultimate goal, I want to be a black belt. I mean, that—that's at the end of the day, I want to be a competitive black belt and compete as a black belt. But I want to do so much more with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I want to teach adaptive Jiu-Jitsu to other people with cerebral palsy or whatever disability it is they have. Um, I want to teach them martial arts, for self-defense, and hopefully one day get adaptive divisions in these big tournaments. Um, I have never met another athlete in jiu-jitsu that also has a disability, Um, and I want to raise that awareness and grow that community, Um, because it is. while combat sports is violent and everybody knows it's violent... It's also so important, like mentally and physically for your bodies. Um, and, and I've learned so much through martial arts.
1: I just think it's so cool that you've taken all of your experiences, whether it be through sports or whether it be through communications, and you've taken the time to to give back. Is, is that what you feel like is... Is 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 your calling that this is what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life? Or are there other goals and, and things that you want to step
0: into? So, yeah, uh, short answer is yes. I do think it is my calling. Um, I love doing it. And I, I do have bigger goals. I, uh, I want to become the first person with an intellectual disability to be a president, CEO of a Special Olympics state program that is my goal. Um, It kind of shifted before my goal was to be ESPN reporter, Um, either at the desk, like Stuart Scott, or in the press box, like Kirk Street. That was the goal growing up. And now, while I still want to do journalism for a very, very long time, I want to do more. And, And being in my current role with Special Olympics North America, I've, my eyes have been opened up to seeing that I can do so much more and the position I have can lead me to positions higher up in Special Olympics North America, or I can make the goal of becoming a president of a state program.
1: Well, man, I certainly think you're, you're on your way and you've already dotted your resume with with, with plenty of experiences and opportunities. To circle things up, round things up i should say just talk about the 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 power of, of sports you mentioned it a little bit earlier on but to put a bow on everything how has sports changed your life and how can it
0: change the lives of others man sports is so powerful and i i think as sports fans you and i we've always known that that sports is is so powerful i still remember the first football game i ever watched that i really Understood what was going on was a two, thousand six Rose Bowl um, when Vince Young, you know, oh. scored and uh, knocked off the Trojans. Like I still remember that, that moment and how powerful that was for my future. But I think the last couple years, um, especially with everything that happened with COVID and what not, like we saw athletes take a stand and use their voices for things outside of sports. And I think that really opened everyone's eyes to how powerful sports are. I wouldn't be where I am without sports. Like, not just my my current role, what I do for a full-time job, but like everyday life, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be who I am without sports and those relationships built and those life lessons of having to run suicides because we talk too much when the coach is talking in football practice. Sure. I appreciate that, man.
1: Well, there are a lot of listeners here who are familiar with Special Olympics. There's some listeners here who are tuning in uh, to your story. What would you say about how Special Olympics
0: helps kind of bridge and put all of that together? Special Olympics is one of the greatest organizations somebody could get involved with. Like, a lot of people think it's just sports, but it's not. It's so much more than sports. And it really puts the two worlds together. Like, for example, the the Special Olympics World Games is coming up in Berlin, Germany, right? And there's going to be so many athletes that can't speak each other's languages. But when when they're on the field, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you look like. The power of sport brings everyone together. And Eunice Kennedy Shriver had that vision and that dream back in the 60s. And look where it's gotten us now. Uh, Special Olympic athletes are doing incredible things outside of sports, and I don't want to say they wouldn't be doing that without Special Olympics, but Special Olympics is so powerful that it gives you the confidence to go out and do those things that other sport organizations I've never felt that feeling with
1: i think that's a a perfect summation rj i appreciate you taking the time to hop on and and share your story but then also how you're working to inspire others man and there's always still more to do so i admire your your tenacity and everything that you've gone and done and really the fact that you've never just just settled you've always said yeah i can go out and get and i'm gonna go do more i appreciate you
0: yes uh never never settle um always go for what you want and my my black belt told us a lesson this past weekend was a world championships. And we had a few teammates compete in the world championships. And he's like, man, a lot of people just compete because they want to get out there and do it. He was like, but if you're going to compete, if you're going to do something, like put the work in and actually go do it. Like, Don't be satisfied with losing in the first round. Come back and compete again. And that translates to everyday life as well. Like, if you want something, if you want to do something, nobody's going to give it to you. Work hard and earn it.
1: RJ coming through with the gems. You're listening to Agents of Inclusion. Much love to RJ for everything that he's accomplished and will continue to do. It's awesome that he's passing on his experiences and everything that he's learned to go out and help others. You can pretty much go out and do the same. Go to specialolympics.org to find out how you can get involved. Volunteering, playing, watching, learning. There are local events and programs all over the world and country. Be like RJ and spread some love to make other people's lives a little easier. I'm JR from the JR Sport Brief on CBS Sports Radio, and this is the Agents of Inclusion podcast brought to you by Special Olympics and Odyssey. New episodes drop every Wednesday, but don't just follow and subscribe. Embrace others. Go outside and be inclusive.